0: Thank you much. Book of Joel tonight. Book of Joel, Old Testament prophetic book. Probably the first of the writing prophets is Joel. Let's read together chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Bethul, hear this, ye old men, and give ear all ye inhabitants of the land. That this been in your days, even in the days of your fathers. Tell your children of it. Let your children tell their children and their children another generation. Father, bless your word tonight. May we honor it by believing it. May it work in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name and amen. The New Testament divides the Old Testament in two ways. Romans 3.21 marks the divisions as the law and the prophets. Luke 24.44, Jesus marks the divisions as the law, the prophets, and the psalms. So we are, we are in a, a section of the Bible that is beyond the historic. It's beyond the wisdom literature. It's beyond the songbook of praise to the Lord. And it's God taking the law that he gave his people and the history of how they handled or mishandled that law and all that he had done for them expressed in, in songs and praises in those five books of wisdom literature. And now he's sending one preacher after another to either uh, encourage the people for their obedience to God's commandments or to rebuke them for their disobedience to his Commandments, And sadly, the, uh, the scale uh, tips uh, very decidedly to the side of, of rebuke owing to disobedience. Commentators had divided the prophets into the major and the minor. Major Isaiah to Daniel, the minor Hosea to Malachi. And the latter division is faulty. It's based solely on the length of the books and every word of God is major. Every every word of God is is pure and true, vital to our to our lives. There's nothing minor in the Bible whatsoever, it, it, but it probably didn't sound too scholarly to call them the longer prophets and the shorter prophets. You could figure that out without a commentary. So so we came up with major and minor. But the short book of Joel points to the battle of Armageddon and the destruction of the second advent. The day of the Lord is the is the keynote of the book. It's foretold as a time of terrible judgment, after which there'll be full and permanent blessing. So we, we studied 1 Thessalonians several months ago, saw that rapture of the church, our blessed hope, We studied 2 Thessalonians, saw that coming and that rise of Antichrist with just a mention of the Lord destroying him with his power when he returns. In Joel, we focus on the conditions just prior to the coming of the Lord and then the great destructive power uh, against uh, the the blasphemers and the uh, the disobedient at the time of his coming. The prophecy is undated. No references to time in the book because it, it, God doesn't want it tied to this king or that king or that, um, this empire or that era. He, it really the future, last days are in view and, and seems the Holy Spirit left it that way. Uh, Joel was sent to guilty Judah. He ministered before Assyria or Babylon were a threat to Judah. The enemies he does mention, Phoenicians, Philistines, Egyptians, Edomites, they belong to the days of Jehoiahaz, 2 Chronicles 21. Uh, Joel 3.16 seems to match Amos 1 and and Joel 3 and Isaiah 13. So so there's a time frame if you search for it, but it's not mentioned in Joel specifically. His name means Jehovah is my God. The only mention of the man in the Bible, but it establishes uh, from God's uh, vantage point, that he is the author of the book. It's in Acts chapter number 2. And this little book of Joel is where the Holy Spirit took Simon Peter in that first great sermon after the coming of the Holy Ghost, that day in Jerusalem when 3,000 souls were saved. They were saved based upon the, the general populace understanding and having a knowledge of the prophecy of Joel which is shows the significance that it had to the people hundreds of years after it was written Joel saw that the genuine that genuine repentance lay at the foundation of all real revival and this he labored to produce it's a book of repentance and and may I say without sounding it's not one of those we're right everybody else is wrong sort of things I, I just I just want you to understand there's a lot of talk in our nation about revival or a moving of God or the Lord doing a work among our people in, in these end times or whatever uh, times men suppose they are. No, no Bible revival came until there was repentance of the sin that caused a need for revival. And the ministers that I hear, and I don't listen to them much because they don't do me any good, but the ministers I hear talking about this move of the Holy Ghost and this outpouring of the Spirit and this revival breaking forth are the very men that won't preach against sin. Yeah. And there's not going to be any revival as long as we are, are doing the things that, that got us in, in the mess that we're in. And so, so Joel, and, and we'll read you some verses about that in just a moment. A heart rent on earth is followed by a veil rent in heaven. One writer said, Men find access to the throne of grace and know the power of the Holy Spirit only when truly repentant. I mean, the Lord's the Savior. Don't you believe that? He saves by grace. Don't you believe that? But He doesn't save anyone until they turn to Him. And that, and that turning is is definitely a requirement. So there's 73 verses, 2,034 words in the book of Joel, but you knew that. Uh, they fall into two main parts. In the first part, Joel speaks. In the second part, God speaks. The first part is historical. The second part is prophetic. The first tells of the uh, of desolation. The second part tells of deliverance. Praise God for that. But you're glad the Lord doesn't leave you in a mess if you if you want to get out of it. Amen chapter 1, we have the future day of the Lord prefigured by a plague of locusts that came through the land. In chapter 2, we have the events of the future day of the Lord. In chapter 3, the order of the events in the future day of the Lord. But all three chapters deal prominently with the day of the Lord. The term is used five separate times in the three short chapters. It's worth noting that Joel is probably, as we said, the first of the writing prophets he gives the fullest view of the summation of all that the old testament prophets would record the order of events laid out in this book is there's nothing in the later uh, more recently written prophets Isaiah Jeremiah uh, Ezekiel came uh, in 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 the order of time uh, later revelation of course the prophecies in the new testament nothing nothing deviates from these eight points you find in Joel number 1 Invasion of the promised land from the north by Gentile world powers. That's a repeated theme of the end times people are are concerned and trying to trying to throw darts at the map or get some deep uh, spiritual insight into uh, where is the invasion coming that that brings such uh, trouble to Israel in the last days and the bible says from the north again and again and again from the north and if you if you look north of Israel it's the people you would think today uh, were a place they could look to for some help and for some support but uh, Things things would change in the in the last times. Uh, number two, the Lord's army and the destruction of the invaders. Thank God for that. Number three, the repentance of Judah in the in the land of promise. Number four, God answering their prayer when they repent. Number five, the outpouring of the Spirit upon God's people. Number six, the coming of the Lord in glory and the setting up of His kingdom. Number seven, the regathering of Israel and the judgment of the Gentile nations. Number eight, the full and unending blessings of the kingdom. So all of that's in this little book of Job, and then God just takes other prophetic writers and just expands upon, expands upon, expands upon. But this is the, this is the foundational uh, declaration of those doctrines. So uh, look, look at verse number four. We read one through three, and we're going to come back and talk about them. Uh, but uh, just look at verse number four. That which the palmer worm hath left... Hath the locust eaten? That which the locust hath left, hath the cankerworm eaten? And that which the cankerworm hath left, hath the caterpillar eaten? If you, if you want to reduce a nation to nothing, all you have to do is destroy its crops. Doesn't matter how much money you have if there's no food to purchase. And doesn't matter how, how nice your houses are and your transportation is. doesn't, doesn't matter how, how uh, well established you think you are financially or, or socially. If God sends a plague and your wheat is gone and your barley is gone and your rice is gone, whatever it is that are the stables of, of man's diet, uh, that's all God has to do. All He has to do. And He, he did it to this nation. And then look at, look at the re- response, verse 5. Awake ye drunkards. And weep and howl, all ye drinkers of wine, because of the new wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. Now, it's not the subject for tonight, but it'll be the subject for we're through uh, because, because it needs to be preached. But look what happens to these people. Their food is gone, but they're howling because they don't have any booze. Their crops are destroyed, but they're not lamenting a lack of bread. They're lamenting a lack of beer. Their vineyards have been consumed by this this plague of locusts, and they're not lamenting the fact they don't have a bunch of grapes on the table to enjoy a sweet breakfast. They're lamenting the fact they can't ferment some wine. And your nation, listen, your nation will... (laughs) They'll ban cigarette smoking. They'll take salt out of your diet. They'll make you eat eat hamburgers without the ham and the burger. (laughs) They'll make you you eat crickets. They'll warn you about cholesterol. They'll warn you about diabetes. And they'll serve you one drink after another until you're drunk out of your mind. Amen. It's, it's a nation of people that are that are they they're drunkards, they're wine bibbers, they're they're consumers of alcoholic beverages on a scale beyond comprehension. Yeah. It, it's, it's really astonishing. And so God sends this plague upon these people and their food is gone. But they're brokenhearted because their liquor's gone. Well, they need repent. That's, that's a country that's, that's in, a, in a bad way. And then the Bible says in verse 6, For a nation has come upon my land strong, without number, whose teeth are the teeth of a lion. He hath the cheek teeth of a great lion. They chew you up, rip you to shreds. No, you're no match for them. He had laid my vine waste and barked my fig tree. You you tear the bark off a tree and no fruit. It's over. It's done. That tree's going to die. He hath made it clean bare and cast it away. The branches there are made white. Lament like a virgin girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. Here's this young lady. She waited all her life. She met the right boy. They planned the, the marriage. They set the date. And then in came this army. Who goes to fight? The boys do. Who goes to fight? The young fellows do. Who comes home from the war? Not many of them. Not many of them. So now you've got a nation. There's an invading army. The invading army is too powerful. And the power of that invading army has taken out your young men. And now what are you young, your young ladies going to do? What are young women going to do? Oh, we read about it later in the book. It's not pleasant. It's, it's a bad, bad situation. I'm going to tell you something. You, you live in a country. You, you live in a country that has not been... Overrun and destroyed by an armed force from another land. It's been overrun and destroyed by a perverse, reprobate, corrupt philosophy. An ungodly philosophy. You got a nation full of drunkards. You got a nation full of young men whose lives have been destroyed and young women who, instead of growing up hoping to marry, a hardworking, honest, God-fearing man of integrity are ending up looking at the, at the field and saying, I can't trust that guy. That guy wouldn't provide for me. That guy doesn't have a job. That guy doesn't have any moral character. That guy just wants to sit around and play, play games all day long. And these young girls, are, are, they're looking around. They're saying, there's 30 of them, 40 of them, 50 of them in some of our churches saying, what am I supposed to do? Sin. Sin. That young man, listen, our, our nation's so full of, they're 14 years old, they're 15 years old, they're 16 years old. They are perverted. They are reprobates. They've looked at so much pornography. They've looked at so many dirty films. They've looked at so many pictures on that internet that their brains are gone. Their spirits are gone. Their, their characters, they have no character whatsoever. And these young ladies look around and say, yeah, I love God. I, I fear God. I memorized all these Bible verses. I spent my whole life, kept myself uh, as, a, as a young virgin and hoping one day to marry a godly man and they've been destroyed by the enemy. One of those old communist leaders, he said back when I was a boy, we, we'll take America without firing a shot. And they've just about done it. They've just about done it. And, and, and then he says here, um, Lament ye like a virgin girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. The meat offering and the drink offering is cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests, the Lord's ministers mourn. The ministers that still belong to the Lord, they stand in the house of the Lord and say, where are the offers? Where are the sacrifices? Where are the worshipers? Yeah, go ahead. I've said this so many times, you're tired of hearing it. But I grew up in this county. 50 kids in our, in our little circle that we lived on. Monday morning, they'd all hop on their bikes and head out to school. And just this, this caravan of bicycles going off to the schoolhouse. And, and I'm telling you Sunday morning, Sunday morning, it might have been a Methodist church, it might have been Presbyterian Church, it might have been Catholic Church, it might have been a Baptist church. There weren't two families in that entire neighborhood who weren't in church on Sunday morning. And now now you want to get people to go to church you got to give them the uh, secular music and secular morals and secular philosophy and psychology from the pulpit and light shows and dancing girls and all the rest of that and God's true ministers stand in the house of God and say where's the sacrifice where's the offering where's the devotion where's the dedication it a bad business Now, thank the Lord, this thing gets better after some repentance. And it gets better after some turning to the Lord. But look what he says in verse 13. Gird yourselves and lament, ye priests. Howl, ye ministers of the altar. Come, lie all night in sackcloth, ye ministers of my God. For the meat offering and the drink drink offering is withholden from the house of your God. Just, Just a little question for you. This is not me preaching at you, this is me preaching the book of Joel. You think our country's in a mess? You think our families are in a mess? You think our homes are in a mess? You think our young people are in a mess? Th- I mean, we, and we could talk about it all day and all night. What I want to know is um, has God heard any lamenting from you? Has God heard any howling from you? When's the last time God saw people lie on the ground all night in sackcloth, begging him to do a spiritual work in their family, their town, their church, their nation? If I, if I preach, if I stand up here and preach about everything that's wrong, you will, you will and I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not criticizing you, you you'll, amen, preach, that's right, amen, preach, that's right, that's right, that's right. I say, okay, then let's go home and not sleep. Let's go home and cry out aloud to God and beg God to plead with God to do something. No, I want to go home and read about how bad it is. You know what these priests did? They said, there's no sacrifice. God, help us. The house of the Lord is empty on the Lord's day. And they went home and put on clothing that would irritate their flesh and remind them to pray. And they would cry out at the top of their voice to God all night long because they want God to do something. You got a child out in the world? God heard from you about it? Got a problem in your marriage? God heard from you about it? You nation going to hell? God heard from you about it? I mean, these priests, they really were torn up about the spiritual condition of their land. I wonder how, how badly we want God to save us from what's happening and it is happening. I mean, there's there no question. You're, the country you live in is not the country I grew up in. The, the churches I visit, I, I visit good churches, but uh, they, they, everyone I'm talking about, how, how they wish it was like it used to be. You know what these men did? Gird yourselves and lament, ye priests, How ye ministers of the altar. Come lie all night in sackcloth, ye ministers of my God for the meat offering and, and drink offering is withholden from the house of your God. You know why didn't have a meat offering? People weren't giving anything to God. It didn't say the crops are destroyed, we don't have a meat offering. They said it was withholden. <laughs> Somebody's not letting go of it. Wasn't that good this morning? Wasn't that a blessing? Enjoy, enjoy that? All, all about Jesus and how good He is. I'm just telling you the truth. You can't complain about the condition of America. You're spending more money on pet food than you are the gospel. You're spending more money on decorations for a holiday than you are the gospel. You're spending more money on play toys than you are the gospel. Amen. Where your treasure is, there your heart be also, and where your heart is, there your treasure be also. <laughs> this is boy, the most important thing in the world is is Jesus Christ and, and the work of the Lord. Well, what, is that reflected in your in your credit card statement? That reflected in in the accounting? Oh, they go preaching about money. Name the last time I preached about money. <laughs> I'm just, I'm I'm simply telling you, um, if the theater, if the theater goes out of business, it'll be because people quit buying tickets to the movie. If the restaurant goes out of business, it'll be because people quit paying for a meal at the restaurant. And churches are closing all over America because there aren't enough people that care enough about God to pay to keep the doors open. (laughs) Let's get on to the next point here, sanctify ye a supper, sanctify ye a dinner on the grounds. Sanctify ye. We used to have potluck suppers at church and then they legalized marijuana so now we got to have come up with a new name, got to kind of <laughs> tell everybody having a potluck supper you might get the wrong crowd. <laughs> This is a true story. I'm going to tell you a true story. <laughs> so my wife and I, were riding around uh, northern New Mexico, and, and I, I get this, this book, and it's about all these strange, unusual places where tourists used to go in the 50s and the 60s when my, when my parents uh, were traveling around back in the day, and we went places, little kids. So there's a place in northeastern New Mexico where there's a big cave, and a guy bought that cave. It was on a U.S. highway for the interstate. So it was a big deal on a U.S. highway. And in that cave, he had a gift shop and you could go in there and buy trinkets and, and you know, it was like wall drug, but underground. And so, so I told my wife, said, you know, we, 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 we're running ahead of schedule today. Let's take this road and let's go down there to that gift shop inside the cave. And, and it'll be, it'd be really fun. And so we, we got close and we knew we were getting close to it because uh, there's a green alien holding a sign telling us it's five miles away, and we got a little bit farther, and it, so and you're just getting closer, and here's all these signs and signs, signs, and we pulled in and it it didn't say the it, it didn't say the cave thrift shop. It said weed world under new management. <laughs> Well, I, I'm just, I'm kind of dumb. And I, I, I said, well, I, I'll just go in the gift shop. and <laughs> I mean, it can't be that different. I mean, it's a gift shop. And we walked in there and, and Cheech and Chong greeted us at the, at the door with, with big smiles on their face. And uh, one guy had dreadlocks down to his knees, I kid you not. And, uh, and the other guy was floating up above the, above the room. And we're looking around, and, and if you had your eyes closed, you would know you weren't in a gift shop. There was, there was a certain aroma. Either somebody was burning a 50-foot a, a rope or, or something else. And they said, hey, good to have you. We, we had, we're, we're, just, we're just getting started here. And we, we couldn't have looked any less like their clientele. And I'm trying to figure out a way to politely back out of this thing and trying to drag Lillian out. And and the guy said, don't you want to see the cave? And I said, is that where the gift shop is? And he said, no, and they, they put up all these black lights of aliens and UFOs, and you go sit in there and do dope and, and think you're being abducted by, by space aliens. It was cool, I, I mean. <laughs> I, I mean, we laughed. <laughs> we got in the car, like, <laughs> how do we end up in that place? And the two, and Cheech and Chong in there said, How did they end up in this place? So, anyway, we need to go online and, and yes. do a review and warn other unsuspecting <laughs> tourists. All right, what, where, what did that have to do with anything? <laughs> um, I don't know. Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, verse, verse 14 Sanctify your fast called a solemn assembly. I, I, I like to eat, I eat more than I should. Many of you like to eat, you eat more than you should. We get together, we, we go out to eat together, or we have people over at our house to eat, and we have a church event, and what do we do? We plan a meal around the church event. But some point, at some point, with all this filth and corruption and perversion and wickedness in our nation, at some point, when are we going to get around to just skipping a few meals to deny our flesh and try to get a hold of God and see if He won't do something? If He can't save a whole nation, at least save some folks in our town and get them in a good church and get them serious about, about Jesus Christ. Sanctify ye a fast. Can you imagine? Come, come to Bible conference. Eight great preachers and fasting every day. You're not serving lunch? No, we're going to pray. Yeah, but pray before lunch or after lunch? No, we're going to pray. Oh, so you're just going to have supper? No, we're not going to have supper. We're going to get in the Sunday school rooms and we're going to pray. Well, won't you be hungry? Yeah, it's kind of like sackcloth. It just nudges your flesh and says, oh yeah, don't forget, call on God. Praise God, I've denied my flesh. I got victory over my flesh. Go twelve hours without eating. Your, your flesh is alive and well <laughs> and vocal. And so he says, Sanctify your fast, call solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land uh, into my, uh, my house, into the house of the Lord your God, and cry unto the Lord cry unto the Lord. This this truth, I, I'm not trying to be be our church. Any, you pick any church. You pick any church. If you have a revival meeting, you'll get a certain size crowd. If you have a singing group in, you'll have a bigger crowd. If you have a Bible conference in, you'll have pretty good crowd, less than your regular services, but you'll have pretty good crowd. If you have a kid's activity, you, the kids will show up. If you announce prayer meeting, it will be the worst attended gathering of that church. Any church, any day of the week, for any reason, call to prayer is, is the least answered call that a church ever issues. You know what? You telling me and me telling you how bad things are in America isn't going to fix anything. Yeah. At some point, at some point, we really need to tell God. I really need to get a hold of God. And I, I don't see a lot of that. I don't see a lot of that. And it, it help us. It help us a lot. We, we live in a time, and, and this truth, I don't want to quit. I don't want to retire. I don't want to slow down. I, 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 honestly, but I'm going to tell you the truth. 40 years ago, when I was pastoring, people had a spiritual problem, came to you wanting help. People had a family problem, came to you wanting help. People had a sin problem, came to you wanting help. Today, they come to you for justification and approval and, and for you to agree that their excuse makes it okay for them to keep being a loser. Yes, sir. Like, when are we going to call on God? When are we going to weep and howl and lament and fast and put on some sackcloth and just try to get God to fix something instead of just walking away and leaving everything unfixed? Oh, you know, I had a problem at home and I I tried to fix it and I gave it two weeks. (laughs) Two weeks of prayer or two weeks of more intense arguing? I mean, come on. What's going to help this town? A march? We're going to march against gun violence. How's that going to do any good? You're going to say you're against something. You know what we need? We need God to break the hearts of the people who have murder in their heart and are committing adultery and stealing and shooting each other over it. <laughs> yeah your country's in a mess God's waiting to hear from us anyway so that, that's, that's the situation and the uh, Bible says that um, we get chapter 2 and chapter 3 we'll pull you out of that, out of that darkness because the Lord's going to fix it but uh, what Joel's telling them is we know how bad things are we just need to get a hold of God That's that's the need. Okay, so let's go back to the preface here and talk about how America got where it is, how Judah got where they were, how any once great people and nation uh, stays that way or loses what they had. The word of the Lord, that's where it starts, that came to Joel, he didn't make it up, God gave it to him, son of Bethuel. Hear this, ye old men. Give ear all ye inhabitants of the land. There's a reason he starts with the old men. Hath this been in your days, even in the days of your fathers? Tell ye your children of it. Let your children tell their children, and their children another generation. Okay, so I know the times. I know the times. December moving from mid-December to late December. I know the times. You don't need one preacher anywhere to encourage grandfathers and grandmothers to tell their children about Santa Claus and Rudolph and Frosty and Little Drummer Boys and all the rest of that made up nonsense. And they tell their children and they tell their children's children and they pump it and they promote it and they build it up and they celebrate it. And they sing songs about it and they decorate for it and they woohoo. And every year it rolls around. They just pass it on and pass it on and pass it on and pass it on. And their kids are excited about it because their parents are excited about it. And their parents are excited about it because their grandparents are excited about it. You know what God said? I wish I could get that. I wish I had some grandparents that had taught their children to get excited about Jesus Christ and excited about the Bible, excited about the virgin birth, excited about Jesus Christ saving their souls, excited about the coming of the Lord. I wish they'd have passed that on to their grandchildren. I wish when grandpa got his grandbaby for a weekend and grandmother got her granddaughter for a weekend, they didn't take them down and have them fall in love with something wasn't real and wasn't true and couldn't help their soul and couldn't keep them off the streets and couldn't keep them off dope. I wish they'd take them down to the church house and get them excited about Jesus Christ like mom's excited and grandma's excited and dad's excited and grandpa's excited. The Lord said, I'm starting with you old men because you old men remember when it wasn't like this. You old men remember when it wasn't this corrupt and it wasn't this defiled and it wasn't this far gone and and the nation hadn't brought itself to the brink of total destruction. You didn't tell your sons. Good. That's where this all started. Amen. And then he calls the parents in. Says you didn't tell your children. Grandpa tried to take them to church and you wouldn't let grandpa take them to church. Grandma tried to take them vacation Bible school. You wouldn't let grandma take them vacation Bible school. You broke the line of succession they went from great-grandfather to grandfather to father to son. You broke that line. And now you're taking your children to medics that dope them up and shrinks that try to talk them out of this and that and, and you're not finding any help anywhere and you'll try anything but God. That's good preaching. And grandpa, now grandpa's going along with his grandson having a boyfriend. And grandma's going along with her granddaughter having a girlfriend and they have to go along with it to stay part of the family. They're not for it. Grandpa grandpa didn't meet his son at the hospital when his son's wife was in labor and said, let's pray, son, dear God, please give us a homosexual. Somebody adjusted their position. That's not me preaching against homosexuals. That's me telling you an entire nation has changed its belief system in two generations because somebody decided, let's leave God out of this. Let's leave the Bible out of this. Well, now you've got murder and rape and kidnapping and perversion and theft on a scale that is off the charts. And all you have to throw at it is, can't we just be nice to each other? Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Not without God you can't. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's <good preaching. laughs> this, this is a true story. I read this week, this bunch, of, this bunch of criminals went in a store, a Kohl's store, and they stole a bunch of stuff, and they were arrested, believe it or not, and prosecuted, believe it or not, and at the sentencing, the judge said, I, he was going to say, I don't know the exact number. The judge was going to sentence them to, say, five years. I kid you not. The, they said, can't you reduce the sentence since the things we stole were on sale? <laughs> if the stuff we stole was 40% off, we ought to get 40% off our sentence. What, what a messed up country you live in. Now you know what, your, your grandfathers, your grandfathers knew right from wrong. When it came to God, when it came to man, when it came to working, when it came to stealing, when it came to, to marriage, when it came to fornication, your grandfathers knew better. Amen. I wonder if they taught their sons. I wonder if grandmothers taught their daughters or if they turned their education over to Hollywood turn the education over to to friends and and a school system. I I wonder, I wonder. Well, then mom, you know, uh, dad grew up in church, but dad dropped out of church because he met this girl and she wasn't all that keen on church and the Bible and all that, but she sure was good looking and she didn't want to be in church. So he dropped out of church because she didn't want to be in church and then they had children. Well, that boy knows what he's supposed to teach his children, but his wife doesn't believe it. So now those kids are going to grow up total infidels like their mom. And if grandpa tries to tell those kids they need to repent and get right with God, and now, now the son's going to turn against his own father because he doesn't want to hear it from his wife. Yep. Go ahead. True. That's just a fact. That's just a fact. Look in your Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Dad, mom, you've got a great youth pastor, wife dedicated to Jesus Christ reason we're giving you books to read and, and having all these activities teach these kids the Bible is because we don't want them to become what the people in Joel's day became. Yeah. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 1, now these are the commandments, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that ye might do them in the land with you go to possess it. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes, not the ones you find convenient, and his commandments, not the ones you picked and choose, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life. Look what he said, not just you, your son and your grandson, not just you, your daughter and your granddaughter. All the days of thy life, not till you get old enough to quit church, not till you get married, not till you have kids and they don't want to go, not till you have teenagers and they don't want to hear it. All the days of thy life. Good Good thou mayest fear the Lord thy God to keep his, all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son, thy son's son, all the days of thy life, that thy days may be prolonged. Here therefore will Israel and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee. Is it well with America right now? I don't think so. And not that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers has promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. You, you live in a country, more food, more resources, more transportation, more entertainment, better housing, better clothes than any people that have ever lived in the history of the world. This man's 5,000 in debt, that man's 10,000 in debt, that man's 20,000 in debt, that man's 30,000 in debt, that family's 50,000 in debt, that family's flat bankrupt. How do you live in a land flowing with milk and honey and you're so far in the hole you can't see a way out of it? Well, we read about it late in the chapter. God wasn't getting his part. Wasn't getting his part of people's lives, wasn't getting his part of people's money. Amen. You know, God doesn't have to take all your money away from you. All you've got to do is make a $2 box of cereal cost $6. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's all you got to do. You're making the same amount of money and you're taking it to the store and you're broke. So, why is that? Well, because everybody's shopping on Sunday morning when they ought to be in church. Yeah, go ahead. Huh. Yeah. Oh, I don't know why these groceries cost so much. Why don't you go to the house of God where you're supposed to be? Now, why this inflation so high? Why don't you get on the floor and call out to God and repent of your sin? Amen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Look how much these groceries cost. Because right next to the grocery store is a liquor store. Yep. 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 Go ahead. <laughs> you can't afford groceries, but you got money for that booze over there. <laughs> well, this Bible's really up to date, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Verse number four Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. That don't leave any room for elves, does it? <laughs> Somebody sent me a picture this week of this long, 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 long row of these poor, hunched over, sad looking um, slave workers in a Chinese factory. And it said, Santa's elves, hard at work. <laughs> Where you think those toys? You think. <laughs> I know some of you don't think there is a North Pole, but if you go up there, I'll tell you what you won't find. You won't find a candy cane stuck in the ground with a sign when it says Santa's house. <laughs> Hard to respect. A guy only works once day a year, anyway. <laughs> so these kids, I'll get back to this in a second. <laughs> these kids went back to school after the holiday break, you know. And the teacher said, uh, Billy, uh, how, was, how was Christmas? He said, oh, it was great. He said, I got a, I got a bicycle and I got a, a BB gun. Well, this is an old, old joke. <laughs> you know, BB gun. Anyway, and she said, Tommy, how about you? He said, oh, it's just great. He said, you know, I, I got this and I got that. And, and went on like that. And then she noticed back in the back of the room, poor little Isaac, the Jewish boy. And she thought, oh, no, what am I going to do? And she said, Isaac, uh, what did your family do over the holidays? He said, same thing we do every year. We went down to my daddy's toy store. We looked at the empty shelves. We went down to the bank, made a big deposit, and then we all held hands and sang, what a friend we have in Jesus. (laughs) Anyway, verse number five, he says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. That doesn't leave room for falsehood. These words, now watch, which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. You kids better learn that math. You kids better learn that science. You kids better learn that English. You kids better learn that social studies. You kids better learn that Bible. Better learn that Bible. And he says, uh, thou shalt talk of them When thou sittest in thine house, how's that going? When thou walkest by the way, how's that going? When thou liest down, how's that going? When thou risest up, how's that going? You know what God said? From the time you get up in the morning till you go to bed at night, you better get that word of God, the commandments of the Lord, in the hearts and minds of your children. You think that's happening in America? I don't think so. I don't think it's even happening in America's churches. Thou should bind them for a sign upon thine hand, they should be as front and between thine eyes. Thou should write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. You know what God said? Put a sign in your yard, put a bracelet on your wrist, put a verse on your t-shirt, and put a sticker on your car. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Amen. I want your kids to see the word of God everywhere they go. Amen. Praise the Lord. Psalm seventy-eight. Let's go there. Psalm number seventy-eight. Psalm seventy-eight. How would our country get in the message in? I th- I think we forgot God. Grandparents didn't pass it down to parents. Parents didn't pass it down to gra- to their uh, grand- to the grandchildren, and we just we dropped the ball on that thing. I went to school in this county, this county, I went to school and we sat in that old auditorium on those wood folding chairs and the principal, Mr. Anderson, got up in front of that school and he led the student body in the Lord's prayer, bowed his head and asked God for a good school year, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, all the way through. December, somebody's class, maybe Ms. Brown, maybe Ms. Russell, maybe somebody's class, December, all the kids come into the auditorium, and here comes here comes Joseph taking Mary to the manger. Here's the manger scene, a little baby in it. Here come the shepherds. Here come the wise men. You say, they can't do that in public school. Well, look what they're doing in public school now. Well, you know, everybody did not believe in that. Well, you know, some people don't believe in all that wicked, dirty, uh, perverted stuff you go, got going on in public school. Yeah. Yeah. So we've come a long way. But it's in, an, it's in a wrong direction. It's in a, in a bad direction. Psalm 78, verse number 1. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears, the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I would utter dark sayings of old. Look, which we have heard and known... And our fathers have told us. So what are we going to do? We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. Wouldn't it be great if everybody grew up in a house where dad taught son and mother taught daughter the great things that God had done for them. And then son and daughter taught grandson and granddaughter the great things that God had done for them. I worked for this land. I worked for this house. I paid for this car. So no God. Just all you. Just all you. Really? How about look what God gave us. I had no job, and God gave me a job. I was sick and couldn't work, and God raised me up, restored me to health. We could barely make ends meet, and God led us to this fellow, and he sold us this car. I tell you, God's been so good to us. Boys and girls, we're going to praise God. We're going to give God the glory. We're going to thank God. God shouldn't live in this building. He ought to go home with you. You shouldn't bring your children here just to hear about my God, and then they, they wonder if you got one. They ought to hear about my God on Sunday and your God Monday and your God Tuesday and your God Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Said, we will not hide them, things God has done from our children, showing to the generation to come, the praise of the Lord, His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. All right, 2 Timothy chapter number 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I preached that sermon about work and finance on Thursday. Somebody Wrote a comment, said, uh, I, I hope he'll make Pastor Knox the Secretary of the Treasury. <laughs> so tonight I'm going for the head of Health and Human Services. <laughs> Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Thou therefore my son, it's an older man talking to his son, Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. The same commit thou to faithful men who should be able to teach others also. What do you do? You pass it down, 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 down, and the truth never dies. And your land never dies. And your family heritage never dies out. What happened in Judah? Somewhere, somewhere, that line of succession was broken. And a generation failed to teach the coming generation the great things that God had done and the incredible commandments that God had given to bless them in the land of promise. And today you live in a land blessed by God like no land has been blessed since God blessed Israel in Old Testament times. And you got more unhappiness and more suicide and more drug addiction and more psych meds and more broken homes than any people have ever had anywhere at any time. Because you leave God out of it and there's no satisfaction. Leave God out of it, no peace, no joy, no hope. What do you have? A bunch of stuff. Don't you think it's amazing? Honestly, I'm not trying to ruin... You. What well, I'm trying to do is get you to have a great time every day of the year so you don't have to set aside one day in the year to have a great time. Yeah. You want to make a, a, a pile of money. I wish I would had uh, had something to invest and had brains enough to do it. You want to make a pile of money, just build one of these storage things. People pay you to put stuff in a storage unit. Now, if you're building a house and you're in an RV right now, I mean, we have people doing that. I get that, but here's what I'm saying. say. So, you got so much stuff that you don't use <laughs> that you gotta rent a place to put your stuff in that you don't use, and you're maxing out a credit card to buy Christmas presents? Go to the storage unit, wrap stuff in paper, <laughs> And go down there on the 25th and open up the stuff you you got in the storage. Oh, look at, whoa, look at this, I forgot I had this. (laughs) You know what people are doing? They're hoping the next present under the tree is gonna make me happy for more than an hour. What about all that stuff you got there and there and the garage and the yard sale and the shed out back and the attic and the... Did that make you happy? Hey, let me tell you about Jesus Christ. I don't want that messing up my life. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Yeah. It, it's, it's just amazing. It's just amazing. Finally save up enough money, live long enough, sell my house, move out of Buffalo, come to Florida, get up on a ladder, hang fake icicles off my gutters. <laughs> Could have stayed up here and had real ones. <laughs> oh, look, it's so exciting. Hey, can I tell you about Jesus? He died for your sins and he rose from the dead. I don't need that. Watch this. When I plug this in, Rudolph inflates in my, in my, my front yard. You what know people looking for what we've got. They are. They're just looking for something to make them happy. You're not going to find it at the liquor store. You're not going to find it in a, in a pill bottle. You're not going to find it flipping channels. You're going to find it in Jesus Christ. I, I just wish that the grandfathers had held the line and kept the churches what they were when Grandpa was a boy. And I wish the sons had held the line and kept the churches what they were when grandpa was a boy. And they mock us. They mock us billboards on interstate. They mock us in their advertisements that they put on the internet. We're not your grandfather's church. We're not your grandmother's church. Well, my grandfather's church was right. My grandmother's church was right. I don't know why you're making fun of it. Because my grandfather's church was the order of business your nation was great yeah, yeah. and it was safe and it was happy and people were content and they had plenty and you could buy a house for next to nothing. Yeah. You could buy a car for even less and you yeah. put groceries on your table and never bat an eye. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. And you don't have to worry about getting shot in the parking lot of the grocery store. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I look at pictures, man. We were driving the other day I told my wife, "This, if you read that Tire Tracks book, it's pretty, pretty freaky, man. We went by the, the big piece of property, about five acres there, where that witch's house was burned down in that Tire Tracks book. That lot's still vacant, man. There's apartments and condominiums building everything else all around, and that thing's still sitting there just, just like it was the, the day me and Kyle rode out of there on our bikes. For, but anyway, what I was going to tell you is, this county, this county, as a boy, get up in the morning, pack a lunch, go out in the woods, go downtown, go to the park, ride your bike from New Smyrna to Daytona Beach, not one not one person would think about snatching a kid, harming a kid, messing up a kid. No parent had to give it a second thought. You say, "Well, you know the politics." No, you're wrong. Well, you know this system that's it. No, you're wrong. You're, you're, you didn't pass the word of God down to your children and your children's children. And, and, and now you're at a place where you don't realize that all of this mess is because of rejecting the commandments of the Lord. And somebody, when somebody preaches like I preach, all they can say, he's so hateful. He's just so hateful. and there's not a shred of hate in my heart whatsoever. It's sadness, it's concern. This thing could be fixed, but there gotta be some howling, some lamentation, some fasting, some calling out to God, and it's gonna be hard to get a nation to call out to a God they think is happy with them. He loves me just like I am. He might love you just like you are, but he's not blessing that. So so that's Joel. That's the introduction. It goes downhill for two chapters. So we'll do it on uh, Sunday nights and Thursday nights because you guys can take it. I hope. (laughs) All right.